0: When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot
1: You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network. Riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria
2: crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve Exacerbating my incredible woes I want to take my brain out And blast it with the wave An ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave I want a magic pills for my ailments The health equivalent of Citizen Kane And if I don't get it now in the tablet I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane I want a requiem for my disease So I'm paging Dr. Steve Dr. Steve
3: no. hey. It's
2: Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve, and this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to a regular medical provider, can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call 347 766 4323. That's 347 poohead Visit us at Twitter. Weird Medicine at Lady Diagnosis and DR Scott W M. We have our own um, uh, subreddit just called DR Steve. Got all kinds of stuff. Check us out. Visit our website at drsteve.com. For podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy, or go to our merchandise store at CafePress.com slash weird medicine. Most importantly, we're not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show. Without talking it over with your doctor, nurse, practitioner, physician, assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. All right. Very good. Thank you very much. Don't forget, if you're going to go shopping online, which you should, you should do that every day, uh, go to stuff.drsteve.com. That's stuff.drsteve.com for all your online shopping needs. Uh, it you know There's a click-through to Amazon, or you can just scroll down, and you can find all the different products we've talked about on this show before. Uh, also, tweakedaudio.com. Offer code FLUID for the best earbuds for the price uh, on the market. And the, um, uh, the best customer service anywhere is tweakedaudio.com. Offer code FLUID. You get 33% off. You can't beat it. Also, go to simplyherbals.net for Dr. Scott's herbal malarkey. And if you want to lose weight with me check out noom.drsteve.com. It's dot com. You've heard about it. It is a psychology app. It's not a diet, but it is a weight loss app. And I it's the first thing I've had that's gotten me to my ideal body weight in a very, very long time. I mean, since college, and I'm 63. And I've just been getting fatter and fatter and lazier and lazier. And Noom, uh, I be, I... I think it saved my life. Now I'll probably drop dead tomorrow, and, uh, you know, you just never know. We could get hit by a meteor sitting here talking about this, but I feel better than I have in ages. I look better. People say, hey, what have you done? You you have that youthful appearance, and, uh, you know, it's just losing weight. You look better. So check it out, noom.drsteve.com. You get 20% off if you decide to do it, but you can do it for two weeks for free. So, I mean, it can't be any better than that. And it's less expensive than Weight Watchers, and you only have to do it for three months instead of the rest of your life and no points and all that malarkey. So check it out, noom.drsteve.com. And, uh, uh, if you want archives of this show, premium.drsteve.com will get you there for buck ninety nine a month. Also, use offer code FLUID. You get half off of that for the first three months. And, uh, you get access to all these shows. And I recommend you use the app. There's an app on Google Play and there's an app in the, uh, app, Apple iPatoons app store. Uh, for just check out Weird Medicine. And that's the easiest way because it'll keep you signed in. I hate these sites that, um, don't really have an app and so you're using it on the internet and then you have to keep signing in all the time it's ridiculous so on the app you should not have to do that Uh, so check that out or if you want to get a a 32 gig uh, thumb drive uh, filled with all of um, weird medicine podcast uh, content um, just uh, go to drsteve.com. There's a link right there on the front page. You can click on it. It's 30 bucks, that includes shipping and you get a 32 gig hard drive or thumb drive and there's only 16bit or mega shoot, what am I talking about? 16 gigs of content on the uh, hard drive so you get an extra 16 gigs you can use for whatever you want. So it's a good deal. Anyway, uh, check that out at drsteve.com. So somebody emailed me, I said, you know, I have this thing about medical journalism. Uh, somebody emailed me a a, a um, thing, and this was a Facebook post, which is even worse. So you have, uh, you know, peer-reviewed medical journals at the top of the list, and you have medical journalism somewhere, and then you have Facebook posts where somebody was saying, oh, if you're going to get up and uh, – and, um, Uh, Void your horrible bladder in the middle of the night. Make sure you sit there for three minutes before you get up because uh, you could die. And it was like, what in the hell is this from? Well, I finally found the article that this is from. Now, this is actually uh, WebMD um, um, WebMD, uh, synopsis because this article hadn't even been published yet. So people take... These things that are presented, they've not gone through peer review. They're just presenting them at um, conferences, and then people uh, take this down and then publish it as gospel, and it is not. But anyway, uh, men and women who have to get up two or more times a night to urinate appear to be at increased risk of death, researchers say. Appear to be at increased risk of death. Now, what is that? Half percent? One percent? Twenty percent? It's 20 percent. I want to know about it. Uh the increased risk of mortality was seen in all age groups: 20 to 49 year olds, 50 to 64 year olds, and 65 to 90 year olds. In other words, 20 to 90, so a 70 year gap or span. Says uh Verant Kupelian, Ph.D., research science a scientist at the New England Research Institute in Watertown, Massachusetts. Uh, nocturia. Well, okay, nocturia is just a fancy way. Of saying you're getting up in the middle of the night to piss, uh, defined in this study as having to urinate two or more times a night. So I don't have nocturia. I'm about once a week, I have to get up in the middle of the night. Is a predictor of mortality, and surprisingly more so in relatively younger men and women rather than in the elderly. Well, this makes sense. Remember, causation does not. Uh, or a correlation does not equal causation. So it's not this um, the fact that they're getting up and falling down and hitting their heads and dying. This is a uh, apparently a predictor for increased risk of all forms of mortality. And that kind of makes sense. If you're a young person, you're having to get up to piss three and four times a night. Uh, you probably have diabetes because, uh, an untreated diabetes, because those people have what we call polyuria, where they have to uh, urinate all the time because the body's trying to get rid of all this uh, sugar that's, in, uh, that's filtering out in the kidneys. Uh, or they have some other problem uh, because that's not normal to be getting up more than two times a night uh, uh, when you're a 20 year old. Uh, Now, in older adults, falls and fractures that occur when people get up to the bathroom in the middle of the night may account for some, may account for some of the increase in mortality. They're not sure. So that Internet post, you know, was taking that small fraction of people and uh, their small increased risk. And they're not wrong. They're not wrong that um, when you get to be my age, your autonomic nervous system doesn't work as well as you as it should. So let's just talk a little bit about why people faint when they get up. Um, you you think of your body as kind of being this a dynamic thing that things don't change. It's, stuff is changing all the time. And when you're laying down, um, your blood vessels uh, dilate a little bit uh, to um, decrease the resistance to flow. And so uh, because the, the heart is not having to pump against, um, against gravity, it's just pumping horizontally, right? So the blood pressure at the head and the, and the feet are pretty close to being the same, or at least the amount of fl- flow. Now, when you stand up, you've got gravity pulling blood out of your head because it's trying to pull everything in your body toward the center of the earth. And, um, therefore those blood vessels have to constrict the blood vessels in the lower part of the body, particularly have to constrict to increase the flow going to the brain, because if they don't, you're going to faint. So you get these people that fall, you know, get up and they run to the bathroom and halfway there, they start feeling, "Uh Oh, I'm feeling faint. And then they fall and hit their head. Maybe they die. Um, uh, and, and those people who are getting into my age group, you know, 60 and older, start to notice this more and more. The other day, I was just at dinner, and I thought I was going to freaking faint. It's because my autonomic nervous system is not regulating the blood pressure to my brain as efficiently as it did when I was 18. So um, in those cases, those people are recommended to... Um, to. Uh, uh, s- stand up from a sitting position if they've been sitting for a long time and just stand there for a second hold on to the chair and if you start feeling faint you can sit back down if after about 30 seconds you're okay then you can maybe start walking maybe a minute these guys on this Facebook post were recommending three minutes I think that's excessive but you know it's different for each person so uh, that that part's right So, um, but they're saying may occur so uh, obviously they didn't make any conclusions about that uh, in the study, Koppelian and colleagues uh, mind data gathered during a large national health survey. Oh, the old fishing expedition. <laughs> We've talked about these kinds of studies before, that fishing expeditions are terrible ways to do science. They're, they're cool to catch fish. So if you want to uh, find out things that are interesting to study later, then do a fishing expedition. So that's what they did. This was a large national health survey. Uh, looking at uh, lots of different things, apparently. And then they wanted to determine the relationship of nocturia to mortality. Uh, analyses were conducted on a sample of 15,988 men and women aged 20 and older. And they assessed nocturia by asking the question, how many times a night do you usually get up to urinate? Parentheses, pass water. So I guess some people don't know what the word urinate means. Uh, the researchers found that over a nine-year period, men aged 20 to 40 who woke up two or more times a night to urinate had a 2.5-fold increase of dying. So, now, how many people are actually dying in that group? So, this is a relative risk of 2.5 uh, times. Um, if, the, if the odds of someone dying in that group is 2%, then you're talking about, um, you know, a uh, 6%. Is that, would it be 6%? No, 4, it'd be 5%. So it'd be 5% instead of 2%. Now, I mean, that's a significant increase, but the chances are still 95% that you're not going to die. And if I gave you those odds and took, sent you to Vegas, you would take those odds and you'd you know bet everything on black. Uh, women aged 20 to 29 with nocturne, had a 10% increase in mortality, but that could have that been due to chance. So in other words, it was not statistically significant. So instead of uh, 250%, it was 10%. This, again, uh, indicates that, uh, you know, maybe these men had uh, a problem with their prostate. And, um, you know, if you have a problem with your prostate when you're that young, there's something going on, you need to get it checked. Uh, men aged 50 to 64 with nocturia had a 60% increased risk of dying, et cetera, et cetera. So um, now when you got up to 90 Um, You had a 32% increased risk because everybody has nocturia when you get up to 90. Um, They did say that they took into account other factors that can affect mortality, including age, other medical conditions, stuff like that. Um, So what we can take from this is not very much. Uh, This was a fishing expedition. Now we need to do a prospective trial, as we've talked about multiple times in the past looking at just this one thing and trying to see if there are other risk factors involved if diabetes heart disease congestive heart failure those kinds of things they don't know if treatment can affect the risk of mortality because it's probably not the fact that they're getting up that's causing them to die so treating that underlying problem though may help them uh, be more healthy Um, The caveat, the very last paragraph, instead of saying this in the beginning so you can just skip it all together, is the study was presented at a medical conference. The findings should be considered preliminary as they have not yet undergone peer review, in which outside experts scrutinize the data prior prior to publication in a medical journal, has not even been published yet. So if you see this one, just take it with a grain of salt. But I do think if you are... Um, between 20 and 40, particularly, and you're getting up to piss more than two times a night, that should be reported to your primary care provider. No question about that. I don't have a problem with that at all. Just don't freak out that you're going to die. All right. Um, Okay, let's take some phone calls. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Thank you, Ronnie B. There's nothing more true than that. Hey, Dr. Steve, this is Mark calling from Alabama. Hey, Mark. A
3: question regarding uh, kind of my profession and uh, some decisions about immunization. I'm a school teacher in a school with a very large immigrant population. Um, and uh, one of the things that concerns me is about uh, getting the flu shot every year, making sure that's, that's done, but also making sure it's timely. So, given the seasonal considerations, when's the best time to get your flu shot uh, so that it's most effective?
2: Yeah, let's um his audio is not good, so I'm just going to cut him off there. I think you all could probably understand that he's uh it works in a school, so he's going to get every virus that there is and uh probably have a really revved up immune system, which is awesome, and he must know when to get the uh flu vaccine. They recommend it no later than the end of October. You can get it as early as right now. And when I say right now, we are in the middle of September of 2019, in case this is you're listening to this on replay. Um, the uh, uh, What I usually recommend is assuming that you're not the first person to get influenza in your area, which you could be. It happens uh, that someone will get it before they've had the flu vaccine. Uh, If you start hearing about um, uh, influenza cases in your region and listening to the local news usually is pretty good. Or you can check the CDC uh, website or you can check your state or you can call the local health department and uh, do some surveillance on your own. Uh, We usually recommend, you know, first of October to mid-October, but you can get it earlier than that if there are flu influenza cases in your community actually in my community uh there have been several reported influenza cases already so we're I already have my influenza vaccine for this year and um so people say well what are the benefits the 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 reason you have to do this every year is a stupid vaccine as it passes through the population you know it spends the summer in the uh southern hemisphere our summer in the southern hemisphere and uh, spends the, um, uh, the winter in our hemisphere. And then it spends a little bit of time in between and people are traveling and go from place to place and spreading this crappy vac or virus. Uh, and it, um, uh, it mutates. So what they'll do is they'll look at what's going on in the Southern hemisphere during uh, summer, our summer, and try to predict what we're going to need here. And sometimes they hit it right on the mark and sometimes they don't. Uh, uh, this is from the CDC website. Um, what are the benefits? So it can get you, keep you from getting sick with the flu. No shit. Uh, prevents millions of illnesses and flu-related doctor's visits every year. During 2016 and 2017, influenza vaccine prevented an estimated uh, 5.3 million influenza illnesses, 2.6 million influenza-associated medical visits. So that's about half the people that get it seem to go to the doctor. And 85,000 influenza associated hospitalizations, and how many of those are, would die? Um, that's a good question. If it's 10%, it would be 8,500 deaths. Uh, in a season when the vaccine viruses match circulating strains, flu vaccine has been shown to reduce the risk of having to go to the doctor with the flu by 40 to 60%. Now, uh, one year, uh, I. I got influenza, even though I'd had influenza vaccine and also been exposed to the flu mist, which is the live attenuated virus that they spray up kids' noses. The dirty little secret about that uh, in, um, vaccination is that it it doesn't just vaccinate the kid. The kids spread that virus throughout the community, and so I was exposed to it as well, and still got influenza. I had a fever of 105, but i sailed through it i was 59 i guess or maybe 58 when that happened and uh, i was sick for a day had to stay out of work for a week uh because of uh, quarantine rules at my job because i'm in healthcare. you don't want to be bringing influenza in so uh you know i suffered the first day in bed and after that i watched four seasons of arrow on the cw <laughs> so there you go uh, i got caught up on that show um Uh, So I I attributed a lot of that to the influenza vaccine. Uh, Flu vaccines can reduce the risk of flu-associated hospitalizations for children, working-age adults, and older adults. And, um, you know, as we said in 2016-2017, flu vaccination prevented 85,000 flu-related hospitalizations. Um, In recent years, flu vaccines have reduced the risk of flu-associated hospitalization among adults an average of about 40%. And uh, oh, here, this is a good one. And I believe this 2018 study showed that from 2012 to 2015 flu vaccination among adults reduced the risk of being admitted to an intensive care unit by flu by 82%. So even though I got influenza, I didn't have to be admitted. I didn't die. I didn't have to go to the ICU. Uh, Flu vaccination helps prevent serious medical events associated with some chronic conditions like COPD, heart disease, and stuff like that. Uh, It shows in separate studies to be associated with reduced hospitalization among people with diabetes and chronic lung disease. And it it helps protect women during, after, and uh, before uh, pregnancy. So, you know... um, a 2017 study was the first of its kind to show that flu vaccination significantly reduces child's death or I'm sorry, child's uh, risk of dying from influenza. So we always uh, assumed that was the case. Now it's been proven. So, um, you know, uh, and getting vaccinated may uh, Uh, protect people around you through this so-called herd immunity. If you can't get the virus, you can't transmit it. And the more people that can't get it and can't transmit it, the fewer people will actually get it. So um, it's not effective against cold viruses. You can still get the cold. And I'll have people uh, say that they swear they got influenza from the influenza vaccine. If they got the influenza shot, it's impossible. Not only are... Are the particles that are in that vaccine not um, uh, viruses now? They weren't ever viruses. They are proteins grown and they were never alive, never even associated with DNA. You cannot get influenza from the influenza vaccine. Now, if you had flu mist, you do get a communicable disease from that. It's an attenuated virus, and there are some people that can get sick from that. And as I said, it'll spread through the community as well, which actually confers some immunity when it works. Last couple of years, we haven't had flu mist. I think this year they're bringing it back. Uh, You'll have to check with your local pharmacist on that. Um, But I'll have people say, well, no, I had documented influenza right after getting the influenza vaccine. So I know the influenza vaccine gave me the flu. So I I go through this explanation about once every year. So we'll go through it again. If you get exposed to influenza, let's say on Saturday, you're probably going to get it anywhere between Wednesday and the next Saturday. So let's say you're going to get it on Thursday. And on Wednesday you go, hell, I hear there's influenza uh, uh, going in my community. I'm going to go get my influenza vaccine. So on Wednesday you go and get the influenza vaccine But you've already been exposed. And on Thursday, you get influenza. And you go in and you get the nasal swab. And they say, yep, you've got influenza B. And you go, MF, this stupid uh, vaccine gave me the flu. And there's no way you can tell one of those people. um, You can convince them that the vaccine didn't give it to them. But I'm telling you, it did not. That is impossible. It is not only... Uh, unlikely it is impossible. It's like when we talk about particle physics physics with people, um, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle does not, which refers to, you know, not knowing the, uh, you know, position and velocity at the same time. And there are other paired um, uh, quantities like that that can't be determined with infinite precision. If you um, if you know the exact uh, position, then you can't know the velocity, et cetera, or, or momentum. Um, you know, a lot of uh, these paired quantities. And it's not a problem of we can't do it right now, that we just don't have a measurement that's precise enough. It's we can't ever do it. There, this is built in. It's inherent in the structure of the universe that you cannot measure these quantities with equal precision, uh, if if you measure one with great precision, the other one's going to become less precise. And, um, uh, and it's not the universe effing with us. It's just if you do a thought experiment, you can demonstrate it to yourself that's not possible. So it's the same with this. If these viruses were never alive, they're not reconstituting themselves once they sh- shoot you up. There's no DNA. So it's not possible. Now, you can feel like crap after getting the influenza vaccine. I had that Shingrix vaccine. It, it I thought I was going to die. That's a, I mean I felt like crap afterward. Uh just for a day. And then it you know the first day was was fine, second day was fine, third day I felt like crap, fourth day it started to wear off, fifth day I was back to normal again. Uh absolutely worth the the Shingrix if you're not familiar is the uh shingles the new shingles vaccine. It's much more um, uh, uh, effective than the previous what Zostavax or whatever it was, but um, uh, it I felt like crap, but absolutely worth not getting shingles in my eye or any other part of my body. But the you know there's a finite chance I could have gotten shingles in my eye. Now I will not get that. Uh, Same thing with influenza. It may make you feel kind of malaise because, you know, the body's only got a few ways to respond to influenza inflammation and that's to just make you feel like crap and so when you uh get the influenza vaccine your body mounts an immune response against those proteins training your immune cells to uh kill these things if they ever come back again if they ever dare uh cross your uh, doorstep again they'll be ready to kill them but when they're doing that and they're ramping up you feel muscle aches and you know you may even feel a little feverish and just feel crummy we call that malaise um you, uh, uh, again, absolutely worth not getting influenza and ending up in the hospital on the ventilator or dying or worse. And uh, talk to my friend on Twitter who's been on the show, the uh, creator and owner or co-owner of uh, HyperPhysics, uh, Richard David Smith. I think that's right. RDS. Um, he uh, didn't he was a not a fan of the influenza vaccine until he ended up uh on his way to uh, move to Seattle, getting influenza and ending up on the ventilator and almost dying. And now he gets his damn influenza vaccine every year. Whenever I start having people giving me shit about influenza vaccine online, I just say, go talk to him and he takes over. So, <laughs> from personal experience. So, anyway, uh, get your flu vaccine and that's the story with that. And uh, get it no later than the end of October. But
0: or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.
3: Hey, Dr. Steve. I'm calling about the recent uh, vape-related illnesses that have been happening. And um, it seems that Uh, through what I've been seeing in the articles I've read, it's all related to the THC ones, um, and actually none of them have been related to the the regular nicotine ones, but um, it was initially, from what I heard, uh, related to counterfeit ones, and then they kind of, you know, they were looking into that, and then now it uh, happened down in Oregon with one that was bought at a dispensary, um, so you know that one was actually a death and uh, so obviously not a counterfeit one so now they've kind of been looking into it more and they've been finding uh, traces of vitamin E in some of these yeah it's vitamin E acetate that were those. used as a kind of a thickening uh, binder for the process um, so which they're saying uh, you know, direct inhalation of that is gonna give you pneumonia.
2: Well maybe. Okay, let me let me stop him there before we we get too crazy. Uh I'm just this is from uh what is this, CBS News. Kansas health officials say they've confirmed the first death in that state in Kansas related to an outbreak of a lung disease linked to vaping. Kansas became at least the sixth state to confirm a death, possibly blamed on using e-cigarettes since last month. So we got fifty states. Six of them have shown problems. So, so th- this um, uh, this is an outbreak, not an epidemic, and uh, but we don't want to have any more of this because I see these people walking around with these freaking you know uh, things that, like I, I've described, and it looked like a clarinet and this big tank on it, and they're blowing out these giant billows of uh, vape. And um, I've been saying this from day one that we don't know what the long-term effects of this are. You know, we've, we've had talks of popcorn Long Now we've got this. I um, said many, many years ago that if you're going to do this as a bridge to quitting smoking, it's probably more safe, but we don't know. And if you do it, it's for short term as a bridge to get you to total um, uh, clean air sobriety, you know? So, uh, let's see what's going on here. So, um, uh, the Kansas department of health and environment said a news release Tuesday, the recent death involved a Kansas resident over the age of 50 who had a history of underlying health issues. So that may be an issue in this. That's what we're going to look at over time is, are there risk factors? Can a 20 year old who's otherwise healthy do this with impunity? Uh, or are they going to uh, have a problem? And, You know, this phenomenon is so new, we don't have 20-year data like we do with tobacco. We've got tobacco data going back to 1776 and probably before. Uh, And, uh, you know, vaping is such a new phenomenon. We just don't have long-term data to say uh, who can do this with impunity, if anybody, and what are the safest ingredients to use in them to prevent this kind of thing. Uh, Health officials say they do not have detailed information on what specific e-cigarette products were used by the deceased Kansas patient. So we don't know. Uh, The state has six reports of illness possibly associated with the national lung disease outbreak, including three which they believe to be confirmed or probable cases. So the remaining three are still under investigation. So this is all really new. I don't want anybody to panic, but I want everybody to be smart. Um, let's see, on Friday, officials in Indiana, California, and Minnesota reported deaths in their states linked to vaping. Previous deaths have been reported in Illinois and Oregon. The CDC is urging people to consider stopping vaping as the number of cases of severe lung illnesses possibly linked to e-cigarettes has surged to more than 450. Okay, so what I, I would really like to know is um, out of how many, how many people out there are vaping? And that is almost impossible to know, particularly when there are black market uh, e-cigarettes out there and uh, non-commercially or non-regulated vape pens and all this kind of stuff. This is very distressing to me because um, I always thought, at least for cannabis use, that vaping made so much sense because inhaling medication into your lungs is actually a more rapid way of getting stuff into your system than even IV use. And you go, well, how could that be? Well, when I give somebody an IV, an intravenous injection, I'm doing it into a small peripheral vein usually. Now, I'm not talking about these large central catheters. I'm talking about a a vein in your hand or your arm. And that bolus has to work its way up. The arm. So let's say I inject it now, and now it's halfway up my arm, and now it's to my elbow, and now it's to my shoulder, but it's still a bolus. It's still mostly medication, and then it gets into uh, the larger circulation, then it finally hits the right side of my heart and uh, gets pumped to the lungs for oxygenation, gets pumped back to the heart to get pumped to the aorta, and it's still mostly together. And then at that point, it starts differentiating. You know, a little bit of it goes to my brain. Some of it goes down into the, the, through the aorta to uh, uh, the kidneys and the upper extremities and the lower extremities, et cetera, et cetera. And eventually it all mixes up, whereas if I do it by uh, inhaling, the surface area of the lung is so huge, those little alveoli that are in there. I mean, it's just miles of surface area. Uh, it all gets absorbed pretty much at once and then gets incorporated into the um, uh, blood supply uh, that's bathing those alveoli from uh, from the heart and then end up going straight to the left side of the heart and getting pumped out to the body. So it's really faster. Uh, it seems counterintuitive, but it's actually true, and it's been demonstrated with multiple medications. So uh, I always thought that that would be the way to go. It seemed very safe. You're not doing that much. You might take a drag, uh, maybe one uh, in a day. If you're treating something medical, maybe two, but um, uh, with, with the, particularly with the potency of this stuff. So I'm very disappointed by this, and uh, it makes me really um, uh, want to advocate even further for legalization. And research on what's the safest way to, to deliver this stuff so that when we legalize it, we know that people are, can buy the safe version. You know, it's not too dissimilar from uh, um, when the revenuers would shut a still down. I, I think I've told you all my story of buying moonshine from a guy in Appalachia because I grew up in Appalachia. And we drove way up this this mountain out of the holler Uh on a dirt road and to this guy that had a still and uh, we were underage to buy liquor, but he didn't care. He'd sell to us. He'd sell to anybody. But, um, while we were there, you know, this guy lived in a phone booth, by the way, it was literally a phone booth or at least that's where he hung out during the day. And, um, he asked us what time it was. We said, well, it's, you know, two in the afternoon, but is your watch not working? And he held it right like an inch away from his eye and said, yeah, but I can't see it anymore. So, we, needless to say, we didn't buy moonshine from him because his was probably contaminated with lead or something else that made him go blind. At least that was the, the story. And uh, But I can buy moonshine in a liquor store now, and I know that it is uh, regulated and tested and it's made correctly, and uh, you can safely drink it. So I would like to see the same model for THC delivery to the masses. I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, this is just another argument, really, for regulation and legalization so that we can get safer products into the hands of people that want to use this stuff. Anyway, that just makes me mad. It's so short-sighted, in my opinion, that we're allowing the black market, if this is black market stuff that's causing this, uh, to uh, rule when it comes to THC delivery, uh, when we can... uh, um, Tax it and fund our colleges and/or f- fund research into whatever addiction, whatever you want to use it for. Schools, um, and um, uh, ugh, anyway, it just pisses me off. Anyway, uh, the new reported death comes as federal health authorities say vaping giant Jewel Labs illegally pitched its electronic cigarettes, uh-oh, as a safer alternative to smoking, including in a presentation at schools. Oh, no. Uh, the FDA on Monday issued a stern warning letter to the company raising concern about Jules' claims that its products are much safer than cigarettes. We, um, They certainly um, don't have tar, so in a, the sense that they're safer, are they less carcinogenic? Almost certainly, although we've got to vet every single ingredient that goes into these things and simplifying them to the point that uh, there are fewer... Um, active ingredients and fewer products, uh, that are, uh, of, so there's no combustion. So there's no products of combustion, but you can change things just by heating them and vaporizing them. So we need to quantify, uh, quantify all of those things, and make sure that uh, we're not increasing people's risk of disease. Uh, okay. So let's see. Um, I had another thing from the CDC. Um, See if I can find it here. So, what have vaping illness investigators found so far? Um, the federal investigation into the link between this is from CNN between vaping and severe lung illnesses is ongoing and has not identified a cause. But all reported cases have indicated the use of e cigarette products, and some patients have reported using e cigarettes containing cannabinoid products, such as THC. Again, that breaks my heart. Um, We need to uh, uh, figure this out as quickly as possible. New York health officials said last week that extremely high levels of the chemical vitamin E acetate were found in nearly all cannabis-containing vaping products that were analyzed as part of the investigation. At least one vape product included this chemical has been linked to each person who fell ill and submitted a product for testing in the state. Doesn't mean that was it. What if all of them have it? Then, of course, you know, if you're saying, well, vaping caused it, and they all have it, well, then all of them will have vitamin E acetate. That does not necessarily mean anything. Now, if there is a whole huge cohort of people uh, who are vaping and they don't have vitamin E acetate in them, and then every single one of the cases had products that did have vitamin E acetate, now you might be able to say something. And that's uh, the uh, that would be fodder for very intensive rapid study right now to try to figure this out. Um, laboratory tests conducted at New York State Department of Health's Wadsworth Center in Albany showed very high levels of vitamin E acetate in the cannabis-containing samples. Um, So that's become a key focus. Doesn't mean that's it. They also found vitamin E acetate in candy-flavored vapes. And, um, okay, so... Now, Andrew Cuomo did the old knee-jerk and said, uh, let's issue subpoenas to three companies that market thickening agents to companies that manufacture vape liquids, and more companies are expected to be investigated. It's fine. Just calm down. They'll help you, uh, I think. Well, maybe you do have to give them subpoenas, but um, this needs to be investigated. If that's what it is, it's easy to fix. If that's not what it is, if there's a cofactor, it's going to be a little bit harder. But if it's just one thing that's causing the problem, then um, we we may be able to fix this and salvage something from this. Because um, there's there should be, in the future, some ability to transmit medications and other things through this mechanism uh, into the lungs. Because really, I mean, even insulin makes sense to uh, do it through the lungs rather than skin popping, because how long does that take? It takes a really long time for that stuff to get into the system. And when I say relatively long time, I'm speaking, again, relatively speaking, compared to uh, inhalation. So I would like to uh, see this uh, be fixed ASAP. In the meantime, I have to reiterate, I can't recommend vaping um, I, and I used to say, hey, look, if you're going to do it as a bridge, go ahead uh, to get off smoking. Uh, I'm not even going to recommend that anymore. They make a There is an FDA regulated nicotine inhaler that you can use as a bridge to quit smoking. I think the brand name is even Nicorette, but I'm not sure. Um, uh, let me let me let me see if I can find it. Uh, FDA approved nicotine inhaler. Here we go. Uh, yeah, it's a nicorette, so and it doesn't have vitamin E acetate in it. So just do that, uh, and, and so I'm no, I'm no longer even condoning uh, casual use, or, or you know, I just can't recommend it. You look, it's a free country; do what you want to do. You know what the risks are. There are probably millions of people that are vaping, and four to six hundred people have had this. But what if? And I said this years ago as well, 10 years from now, all of these people end up with uh, scarring in their lungs and fibrosis and stuff, well, we've got no way to predict that. Um, so I would really like to see a lot more research done on this before we uh, wholly adopt this. And I feel bad for the people that make money off of uh, vaping, and they're taking a huge hit right now, and this is going to affect jobs and small business people. I get it. I'm sorry. I just, uh, I can't recommend it. I'm not you know, I'm not some namby-pamby, just-say-no person. Do what thou wilt, um, as Alistair Crowley used to say, but um, uh, I, I just can't recommend it. Okay, can I say that enough times? I guess I've said it enough. Anyway, all right.
1: Hello, y'all. What up? I was wondering if you could uh, answer this question on the uh, podcast.
2: Okay, uh, well.
1: But just a quick question on tetanus. Shot. Okay,
2: we'll answer it on the podcast, too.
1: I recently hit my head on a rusty pole cutting grass, okay. and I haven't had a tetanus shot. I'm 42, and I couldn't even tell you the last time I had one. So I was freaking out about it, and um, I was going to go to Walgreens, pharmacist there, to give me the shot. I told him what was up, and he was basically talked me out of it. What? That the shot would take two weeks to work yeah it might maybe help but more or less he was saying it was kind of pointless at that point it might so, maybe help is that true no am i gonna die of tetanus no now? no i uh, no to both cleaned it out real good of course but did not okay golly
2: see you're a healthcare provider and someone comes to you and says, it's been more than 10 years since my last tetanus shot. I just had a wound. Can I get a tetanus shot? And they talk him out of it. That, that's just insane. Besides, you can sell a tetanus shot. Well, you know, uh, I, this I do not understand. Now, was he at risk of getting tetanus from hitting his head on a rusty pole? No. Probably not. Number one, I, in my 32 years of experience, have seen tetanus before. I've never once, nor have I heard of it, in a person who got the original three shots as a a kid. Um, Maybe it can happen, but none of us that I've ever polled have, have ever seen tetanus in someone that has had tetanus shots in the past. Having said that... The protocol is every 10 years, you get a tetanus and diphtheria booster. That's the big T, little D. Your primary care can give it to you. You could should be able to go to a pharmacy and get it if you can just tell them it's been 10 years. Now, um, if you have a deep wound, like a knife wound, an animal bite, if you step on a nail and it punctures your foot and it was that nail was embedded in a board that was covered in a cow, in cow dung, then you should get your uh, tetanus shot right then. So they'll recommend it for dirty wounds, particularly if it's been five years or more. But uh, if it's been 10 years and you have, don't have any of those, then just doing it every 10 years is okay. But if you don't remember the last time you did it, if you can find out, that'd be great. And if you find out and you know it's been more than 10 years, then just go get one. Um, if it's been eight years, then yeah, the, the pharmacist maybe maybe the pharmacist had magic uh, um, uh, knowledge of your uh, past history and knew that you'd had one in the last ten years, and you it was telling you you didn't need it. That's fine, but they should, probably could have explained that better. Okay, so tetanus vaccine, good. Um, tetanus is a terrible disease to die from and it's completely preventable. The one case I every case I've ever seen has expired. Um they call it lock jaw, but that's just because that's one of the sets of muscle the masseter muscles in the jaw that uh you know close the jaw. They're they're involved in chewing they they become titanic or, um, they, you know, spasm, and you can't open the jaw. But you also other muscles do the same thing, including respiratory muscles, so you can't breathe. And it's a really tough disease. And uh, there are we do have more things we can do about it now than we did back in the day. Uh, so if you get it now, you're less likely to die from it. I wonder what the mortality from tetanus is in 2019. Let's find out. Mortality... From tetanus. Uh, Okay, here we go. Used to be 100%, but now not so bad. Current statistics indicate mortality in mild and moderate tetanus, although I've never seen a moderate case of tetanus, is 6%. For severe tetanus, it can be as high as 60% uh, uh, mortality in the United States resulting from generalized tetanus is 30% overall, 52% in patients older than 60 years and 13% in patients younger than 60 years. So, um, uh, and that that makes sense because the patients younger probably have had more recent, um, uh, uh, vaccination. Let's see. Oh, here's tetanus surveillance in the United States, 2001 to 2008. Tetanus is a life-threatening but preventable disease caused by the toxin of Clostridium tetany, ubiquitous, meaning it's everywhere, spore-forming, gram-positive bacillus found in high concentrations in soil, ooh, and animal excrement. Uh, reported tetanus cases have declined greater than 95%, and deaths from tetanus have declined greater than 99% in the United States since 1947, when the disease became reportable nationally. So there you go. Uh, let me see. From 1947 to 2008, the number of tetanus cases reported each year, which had already decreased greatly since 1900, continued to decline. Okay, there's a figure. So let me see. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that's a very impressive. You know what? If you think vac- vaccinations are dumb, you should look at this. Um, the number of deaths have dwindled almost to zero. The number of, of cases has gotten really close, too. Uh, so it's below 05 um, cases per million, and it's like really, really close to zero. So it's pretty cool. Um, average annual, annual rate in ages 5 to 19 is .04. So it's not zero, but, you know, the number of known deaths, zero. And in 20 to 34, zero. In ages 35 to 49, four out of 350 million people are 450 million, so your chances of dying in this is about one in a hundred million. So anyway, all right, but get the vaccine. Okay.
3: Hi, Dr. Steve. This is Jack from Wilmington, North Carolina. Hey, Jack. And um, I drive over the road, and I haven't been paying attention um, to, like, eating good food. So uh, I was wondering if you
2: have any information for, like, a good easy. Well, his audio's terrible, but he's at, he's an over the road trucker, asking about nutrition, and uh, we have covered this, but it's been a while. Um, you know, ever since Barry the Blade passed away of swine flu, by the way, um, he uh, he was our trucker uh, uh, correspondent, and then we haven't heard from Lady Trucker in ages since she got divorced and she's out on the town. Uh, doing her thing uh, as a single woman, so she doesn't call in anymore either. So I don't have a trucker correspondent for trucker lifestyle. Uh, that whole trucker duty segment that we did back in uh, the early uh, the early days was pretty much fun and pretty educational. Uh, uh, but anyway, so anytime I see a Walmart bag on the side of the road, I know not to pick it up. Uh, at least, if I do pick it up, don't uh, don't puncture it because it may be filled with fecal matter. But anyway, uh, as far as a trucker diet, every fast food place now, with maybe one exception, and I won't name them, uh, has something healthy on their uh, on their um, menu. And but it isn't always something that you can go through the drive-in and then you know eat on the road. And what I'm talking about is um, uh, salads with grilled chicken. And vinaigrette dressing, which, I look, I used to poo-poo this. I wanted ranch, and I wanted crispy chicken tenders, and I have learned to love this. You just have to commit to it. By the way, uh, you know, I'm doing Noom. I've had great results. They're not an advertiser you can check out. Uh, just come to my website, and I can uh, tell you about my experience with Noom. It's just a, um, um, a psychology app, and I'm a huge advocate of it. It really helped me in a lot of ways in my life, but also in losing weight and getting to my ideal body weight. But in doing that, I've come to love my uh, McDonald's or Subway. Uh, spin- uh, Subway has a great spinach salad. You can just say no lettuce, just give me a double spinach, double tomatoes. And uh, you can get the club that's got lean meats in it and some vinaigrette. And it's huge and it's heavy. You know, it weighs a couple of pounds. And that will really do you on the road. But you have to sit down and eat, which you should do anyway. Um, We should be mindful of our eating. We should enjoy it. It shouldn't be just something that we're cramming in our mouth while we're going down the road. So take a couple of minutes out, sit down, eat, enjoy it, look around, check out, you know, the hot women or hot dudes you know whatever is your proclivity in uh in the place or just whatever listen to music just chill for a few minutes and eat and just enjoy it and uh it's absolutely doable on the road now and um but as i said harder to do uh when you're running through if you think that you're going to go to that other place and get the impossible burger that's great for the environment it isn't much healthier in my estimation than eating meat is but you're not eating meat and you're not uh, using up all those uh, resources and water and all that other stuff that goes into making meat look we're out of uh time thanks always go to uh dr scott who couldn't be here today we can't forget rob sprance bob kelly greg hughes anthony cumia jim norton travis teft lewis johnson paul opcharski eric nagel roland campos Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Ron Bennington, and Fez Watley, whose early support of this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m., Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern, On Demand, and other times at Jim McClure's uh, Pleasure. Many thanks go to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time. Check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking. Get off your asses and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of... Do I know the name of the show? Of Weird Medicine. Oh, boy. Time to retire.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. When you Angie that download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's angi.com. I.com.
2: It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new five 99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips because what's lunch without a little crunch and the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss chipotle chicken wrap, BLT and more made to order just the way you like it.